my mom wanted me to be a piano player, so when I was in second grade, she started dropping me off at piano lessons, and every day during the week, she would set a timer on top of the piano for 20 minutes, and I was not allowed to stop practicing the piano until that timer dinged. This continued on until I was about 15. When I was in third grade, my teacher's name was Mrs. Ray, and she taught me how to write in cursive. In fifth grade, Mrs. Burke instructed me on memorizing my states and capitals, and to this day, I could tell you that Montpelier is the capital of Vermont. Through high school, I played volleyball, went to lots of practices and tournaments and games, and right now, if somebody tossed me a volleyball, I could pass it back to you decently. In college, I minored in art and took several oil painting classes. So if you needed me, if you put some oil paint in front of me and needed me to mix a real specific shade of purple, I could do it for you. But there's one thing that I never took lessons in. There's one thing that no teacher in grade school ever once mentioned. It was never required reading in high school and there were no classes offered on it in college. How do I take care of my soul? The inside of us, we, there's a lot going on and there are different words to describe different aspects of our interior lives. We can say soul, heart, my favorite maybe is my insides. It's a very important world that's happening inside of us and it's one that God cares deeply about. As H mentioned last week, he said these words, finite man killed the infinite God. But then we probably are familiar with the gospel. The infinite God went into hell. He took the keys. He rose up from the dead. And now he's saying, he's saying, look world, I was stronger than hell. I was stronger than sin. All of your sin, I was stronger than it. And now I want to come live inside of you. The inside of us is what God cares most deeply about in the world. And it's what he wants to be his home. God has a lot to say about our interior lives in the Bible. In Proverbs 4.23, he says, Above all else, guard your heart, because it's the wellspring of life. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells us that everything starts in our hearts. He says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that if anyone looks at a woman lustfully, he's already committed adultery with her in his heart. Holiness, sin, good stuff, bad stuff, dreams, success, it all begins within us. Right now, in this room, the activity that's happening inside of you the thoughts that you're thinking, the job that you're stressed out about, the relationships that are bogging you down, the plans that you're making for lunch, the admiration you're feeling for my pants. <laughs> Everything happening inside of you right now, your maker sees. He's looking at it right now, and he cares about that space. There's a Danish word spelled H-Y-G-G-E, but pronounced Huga. It became trendy in the States a few years ago, and um, you, you may have heard the word. There's several books written on it. But in Denmark, it's not a trend. It's a part of their cultural DNA. The word can be defined as a practical way of creating sanctuary in the middle of very real life. 
enjoying life's simple pleasures. The main idea of Hugo Decor is to create a peaceful, serene space that is free of clutter. Taking pleasure in the presence of gentle, soothing things like freshly brewed coffee and cashmere socks. If you Google the word Huga, you're going to see people with fuzzy socks on, with fuzzy blankets and pillows, sitting by fireplaces and drinking coffee. It's a creating ambiance, a place that, where you want to stay, a place where you feel invited. Mike Wiking, who's a, a Danish journalist, he says that as freedom is to Americans, so Huga is to Danes. It is an integral part of the whole nation's DNA, Huga. So my question to you is if someone from Denmark entered your heart, would they want to stay? What, what is happening inside of your heart? Is it a cozy place? Is it a place that's nice and welcoming and, and safe? Let's say that I have a cup of coffee and um, Karen doesn't see me and she bumps into me really hard and all of the contents of my cup go everywhere. Karen gets coffee all over her, I get coffee all over me, I spill coffee on the ground. So why did I spill coffee all over the place? Was it because Karen bumped me? No, it was because I filled my cup with coffee. If I had filled my cup with apple juice, I would have gotten apple juice all over the place. Whatever I fill my cup with, that's what's gonna come out when I get bumped. Whatever we fill our heart with, whatever we make our hearts look like, when we get bumped and we are going to get bumped, what's inside of here is what is going to come out. So my question to you is what does your heart look like? What is happening in your inside world right now? I would encourage you to take time today, tomorrow, every day to examine what's happening in, inside of you. St. Teresa of Avila says, almost all problems in the spiritual life stem from a lack of self-knowledge. So take time. You know, what is happening inside of me? What is the condition of my heart? They're really good questions to ask. And so the truth is, this could be, the, the inside of our hearts could be a disgusting place. It could be stinky and crammed full of lust and manipulation and jealousy or maybe extreme insecurity and stress. It could be a really hectic place inside of us or inside of us can be a beautiful place that space, has space and it's free and there's love in the air and God leaves it up to us what we want to do with our insides. There's a neuroscientist from South Africa named Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she says, if your soul isn't well, nothing else in your life is well. You know, if your neighbors think that you're amazing and you just got a promotion at work and you're gonna be able to retire at age 53 and you have lots of stamps in your passport, but the inside of you is a train wreck, that other stuff doesn't matter so much. H told a disgusting story last week about one of his friends whose toddler is being potty trained right now, and the toddler has formed the habit of reaching into his poop after he uses the bathroom and smearing it on the bathroom wall. It's a gross story, but H made a great point with that story last week, and the point was God isn't mad at our immaturity, and he, he's with us in the process as we grow up. 
And I want to make another point with this disgusting poop story. If the mom of that toddler just decided that that was just the way her toddler was, and that was the way life was going to be from now on, and there's nothing that she just needed to learn to live with it. So she say that that's what she decided. So she stops cleaning the poop off the wall. She says, you know what? This is just how it is, and I just accept my child's behavior. So she leaves the poop on the wall, and the child doesn't stop his habit. And so layers and layers of feces collects on the wall, and it dries, and it becomes a part of the bathroom. I think all of us could be in agreement that that's not a good idea. We would suggest to the mom that it's okay to wash the walls. And it's even okay to discipline your kid and encourage him not to keep practicing that habit. But I think that we can do the same sort of thing with our heart. We can say, you know what, this is just the way I am. This is just the, the, the poop that's inside of me and I just have to learn to live with it. And I think that God is suggesting otherwise. So as H mentioned, um, last December I moved back across the world from a safe house in Hong Kong with African women who, be, who had became my family um, back here to America. And this move has been a booger. Um, this year there has been a lot of poop smearing on the walls of my heart. It has, there has been confusion and chaos happening inside of me. And I've been asking questions like, who am I? Where is my home? What's the point of all this? And am I good? I believe that you know, it's not just a move across the world that makes our hearts hectic and, and brings up bad, or not even bad, just heavy stuff inside of us. It's for everybody. You know, he, everybody in this room right now, we have hectic things happening inside of us. And um, God cares about that space. So in 2015, I was, I was staying in Hong Kong um, for six months during that. That was before I moved um, for a couple years. And that six months, I traveled to some different children's homes throughout Southeast Asia, and I, had, I was beginning to work with women who were in the red light district. And really, it was a great six months, but internally, I struggled <laughs> during that six months. And if it had, someone had bumped me during that time in Hong Kong, you would have gotten insecurity, and self-hatred and big disappointment in who I am splattered all over you. So during this time, when that was the condition of my heart, I had a, a good friend in Hong Kong, and she suggested that I spend 45 minutes in prayer, but I could only ask God one question, and then I was supposed to spend 45 minutes listening to his answer. The question she wanted me to ask God was, God, what are you feeling for me right now? Well, I thought that was a very stupid idea. I thought that that sounded selfish and boring. I mean, what could he possibly have to say for 45 minutes? And I already knew how he felt about me. He was disappointed. But I was desperate, and I trusted the friend, so I was like, ah, I'll do it. So I asked God. I laid in the floor in the 56th floor of my apartment building in Hong Kong, and I said, God, what do you feel for me right now? And at the end of the 45 minutes, I was shocked because he spent 45 minutes telling my heart that the room was full of his fondness for me. I did not feel fond of me. So I was very surprised to hear that the maker of the universe felt fond of me. And I believe that 
that this is the way that God is, he's enjoying us, that he is feeling fond of us, even when we're immature, even when we're a mess inside, that he's enjoying us and that he's wanting to communicate that with us. Roland Baker is a missionary to Mozambique, and he says that if your heart is a beautiful place, nothing on the outside is going to bother you. So the question is, well, how do we make our heart a beautiful place? A couple weeks ago, HL and I were talking about big, important things that matter, like this question. Are you aware of God's admiration of you? You drive to Target and you tuck your kids into bed and you go on your lunch break at work. Do you have any awareness that God is seeing you and enjoying you? Mike Bickle says that the greatest emotional need we have as human beings is the longing to have the assurance that God enjoys you. And this, I have been discovering, there's truth to this. I agree with Mike Bickle. Um, the, this past 10 months, you know, living in Kentucky, the, the, the years in Hong Kong, the years living on a farm in Illinois, I'm discovering that the very best thing for my soul is to look at Jesus. That's what Jesus is wanting is for me to take time to spend looking at him. Looking at Jesus is another way to say, pray. But I like to say looking at Jesus because it makes me remember that he's not some phantom out in outer space, but he's a real man with real eyes, with real skin that he took on so that he could pay for our sin, that he walked through dusty streets in Jerusalem that he touched people with leprosy and took their leprosy away, that he had deep conversations with prostitutes and thieves and then he changed their hearts, that this is the being that I am invited to talk to within me anytime I want. This, this man himself said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. It's a promise. So where do we see him? I believe we see him with the eyes of our heart. If I have a pair of glasses and <clears throat> I smear dark mud all over the lenses and I try to see through them, I'm not going to be able to, right? But if I wash the mud off, I'm going to be able to see clearly through the glasses. And I believe that the condition our hearts are in affects our abilities to see the Lord. St. Teresa of Avila, she says, when you have received our Lord, since he really dwells within you, try to shut the eyes of your body and to open those of your soul. Look into your heart. St. Teresa of Avila was a nun who lived in Spain in the 1500s, and she spent a lot of time with Jesus inside of her, exploring space within her soul. She has a book called Interior Castle, in which the whole book is about, she was referring to her soul as a castle, and she's taking Jesus into every room. I believe that we can live our whole lives as Christians and die without, with having space in our heart that we've never let God touch. And that is a tragedy. He wants every single space inside of us. He wants to be invited into, and he'll only come if we invite him. He's a gentleman iPad is dead, so 
Got it. Got it. I got my pointer. My pointer is not dead. My pointer is alive and well. So if I'm going to look at Jesus within me, um, this is another way, another way to say it is intimacy. Um, the, the word intimacy, if you break it down, I, I like to break it down simply because I like simple things, is into me see. If you want to become intimate with someone, you invite them to look into every part of your life. You just open up your life and say, go ahead and look. And then they do the same for you. And this is what God is wanting. If you wonder why you're alive, why you're, why you're breathing air right now, it's because God wants intimacy with you. He wants you to invite him into every single space that you have inside of you, and he wants to invite you into his heart. If looking at the maker of the universe inside of us is possible, I think it's important that we ask the question that my friends in rehab have been asking me. How? There is a worship leader named Missy Edwards who's given her life to prayer and worship. And um, she has a song and she sings to God these words, you are as near as turned attention. You know, he's not a formula to be figured out. There aren't five steps to become intimate with Jesus. He is a mystery to be discovered, but we are all invited to discover him. So Missy is suggesting that if we just simply turn our attention to the Lord and say, okay, Jesus, this is weird, but I want to see you inside of me, that if we will do that, we will find him that way. Uh, a couple weeks ago, um, I was sitting in a rehab, and there's about 15 girls in the room, and, and one of the girls, she said, you know, Abby, I get praying, I get talking to God, but this looking into Jesus' eyes stuff, like, how would you even begin to do that? And so I just suggested to her a good place to start would be to read what, what does the Bible have to say about Jesus' eyes. And so that's what we did, me and my friends. We opened the Bible to Revelation chapter 1, verses um, 12 through 18. And it says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. Among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Wow, there is a lot I love in there. Like whenever I fall down on the ground as though dead, which happens more than you might think, because life's hard and I turn into an emotional basket case, that Jesus, the king of the universe, reaches down and puts his hand on me and says, do not be afraid. I also like that his voice sounds like rushing water, because water is strong and it's powerful, but at the same time it's soothing and I can put a boat on the water and ride down the waves. And that's what God's voice is like. I also like that his face shines like the sun in all of its brilliance because I'm noticing that life has some dark places. 
like my friends who live under the bridge downtown who have deep red marks in their skin that they pick and they keep shoving needles into their arms because they don't know how to stop. And like my friends in Hong Kong who are still selling their bodies on the street so that they can send money home for their kids to eat, we don't have to look far to see dark. But when we have a man that we're meeting with in our hearts whose face shines like the sun and its brilliance, the dark doesn't seem so strong. And it seems like we can keep going because we can. Fire. What does fire do? It warms, it cozies, it destroys, it spreads. All things that I need to happen inside of me. And verse 14 in Revelation chapter 1 says that Jesus' eyes are like fire. I need my cold heart warmed. I need my, I need my lonely heart cozied. I need the sin inside of me destroyed. I need my heart forged and shaped by God. Fire is what I need inside of me, what I believe every human being, what we need inside of us. And sometimes life is just cold and we need a fire to warm us up. I believe that meeting with Jesus, being with him inside of us is the way we find warmth. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12 29 says that God is an all-consuming fire. So I hang twinkle lights everywhere I go. I carry them with me. I light candles. I huga, huga, huga that space because I want to remember. The, the twinkle lights, the candles, they remind me that God is warm, that he is welcoming, and that he is what my soul needs. So I'm currently living with Kara and H, and uh, I have almost successfully twinkle-lighted their entire house, including their side yard. Um, so for a couple of the years I was in Hong Kong, I got to be house mom in a, in a safe house for women. When they were ready to leave prostitution, they could come live in this space. And so me and these girls, we twinkle-lighted the living room. We hung twinkle lights in their bedrooms. We hung twinkle lights in a tree branch out in the front yard. And we met with Jesus inside of us. And he took the chaos in our hearts and he sorted it out. And he brought life and he brought Huga to our hearts because that's what he does. I also ripped up pieces of cardboard and got permanent marker and package taped these three words to the wall of the safe house. It's God saying, I want you. I believe that these three words God is saying to all seven billion people on the planet and that he wants to fill our insides with that truth, that he wants us. So our hearts, they don't become these beautiful, huga, peaceful places because life is roses and butterflies and smooth as butter. That life doesn't exist until heaven. King David is a good example of someone who had a Hugo heart. He, was, he knew God and he met with him inside of him. But King David also had monstrous problems and disgusting sin and enemies trying to kill him. So how did he do it? In Psalm 27.4, I believe we, we see a secret to, to David's heart. And he says, there's one thing that I desire of the Lord. One thing he's seeking, and it's to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life, to gaze upon his beauty and to inquire in his temple. Over these past 10 months, as I've been processing and 
thinking about my life in the past decade, um, I feel like Jesus keeps saying these three words to me, um, stay with me, which is what he's say- I believe he's saying to all of us, that he wants us in the middle of the chaos or whatever's happening inside of us, he wants us to stay with him, which is a paraphrase of John 15, 9, when he says the same thing. He says, let my love continually nourish your hearts. If you were to stand in a field of sunflowers, you would, you would note, if you spent the whole day there, you would watch the sunflowers the entire day following the sun with their faces. It is a phenomenon that scientists have called heliotropism, and sunflowers turn to wherever the sun is all day long. At nighttime, do you know what sunflowers do? They all turn to the east, and they wait for the sun to rise. I believe that God wants us to be like sunflowers and Jesus like our sun and that our hearts just stay turned towards him all of the time. Heidi Baker, a missionary who's feeding 10,000 kids a day in Mozambique, she says, whatever I'm doing, I'm staying with him. I invite him into everything. He wants to be invited. Last week, Molly Bond posted this on Facebook. It's a quote from Elizabeth Elliot that says, peace does not dwell in outward things, but in the heart prepared to wait trustfully and quietly on him who has all things safely in his hands. So this, um, Bill Johnson, um, I was just listening to a podcast by him, and he said, sometimes the greatest enemy of our heart is busyness. I don't mean busyness of schedule. I mean busyness of heart. This, to have Huga in our hearts, to have peace in a, in a beautiful place, it takes time. It takes time to sit before God. It takes time to read the Bible and to meet with him. But there's, there's no investment that's better than the investment of our inside life. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, let us be silent that we may hear the whisper of God. Sorry, if you can, I skipped that one. Um, so just a, couple, a few things that have helped me um, find a healthier health for my inside life. Um, here, here are a few of those tips. Um, to take an inventory of the condition of your heart and have an honest chat with God about it. Read the Bible and take your time. Don't be in a hurry. Ask God to help you experience his love. Take a break from social media. Take a break from TV. Pray Matthew 6.10, which is God, let your kingdom come and will be done in my heart like it is in heaven. Fast. Go on a walk. Light a candle. Hang some twinkle lights. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Just suggestions if you want to try any of them. So if we think that whenever we look for God, we're going to find a big, mean tyrant in the sky who has lots of lightning bolts with our names on it, we're not going to want to look for him. Or if we think that when we look for God, we're going to find some disinterested blob who doesn't really care anything about humanity, we're not going to want to look for him. But... If we think that when we look for God, we're going to find a father who sprints to us with mercy with his arms open wide for a bear hug. If we think that when we look for God, we're going to find the Jewish gentleman from Nazareth who has scars all over him and a warm smile and eyes that are burning like fire looking at us in love. 
then we're, we're going to want to look for that God. We're going to want to find him. And he's invited all of us to.